Good morning. God is good. Let me just share a couple of things with you that's happened today that I just think are phenomenal. First off, uh, this song that we just sang, uh, that last verse, is the first verse of any song I ever memorized, ever. Because it was like the secret code at my grandparents' church growing up. That was the song we ended every worship set with, and you weren't allowed to look in the book for it. So I had to memorize it because no one else was looking. So I was thinking, that's great that my grandparents are here today, and so uh, it makes me feel more at home. And, uh, and today's uh, our, the, the topic we're looking at, we're looking at worship, and we're going to be looking at uh, how worthy God is. And I was refreshing myself with, with, my, with my lesson this morning and, and kind of reading through up my office. And as I was coming down the stairs, uh, the choir singing what? He is worthy, he is worthy, he is worthy, he is worthy, he is worthy. So it's just been a great morning already. So uh, I think we can just go ahead and go home. Um, but we won't. We won't. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Glad to see everyone here. Uh, like Brad mentioned, our pastor's on vacation, so you're stuck with me. Those that don't know me, my name is CJ Burroughs. I'm the student pastor here, uh, and I get the privilege of sharing what God shared with me with you. So uh, I'm excited to do that, uh, excited to get into his word uh, and to see what he has to say. We're going to be in the book of Psalms, so if you want to go ahead and turn there, we're going to be looking at 96 and 150, really close to each other. So if you've got to get like a bookmark or something to bookmark 150, so we can be ready to flip to it. We're going to be kind of jumping in there. Today we're going to be talking about something a bit controversial, a hot-button topic, uh, not one that you would typically think I'm about to bring up. It's the one thing that will split a church faster than the color of the carpets, and that's worship. Yes, worship. Worship, in my opinion, is a very controversial to- topic. Nothing in our Christian culture is more debated and divisive than worship. So much so that churches across the nation move to multiple services with different types of music to appease everyone while leaving the sermon the same. Uh, several years ago, I was in Minnesota with my family, have family up there, and we went to a church, and we came in. My uncle said, okay, if you want this kind of worship, it's right here. If you want rock and roll worship, it's right here. Hymns, they're back here. And there was four or five services that had all different kinds of worship, but the pastor would just pipe in at the end. Like, it would be like video. Uh, you see churches go to contemporary and traditional services. Uh, it's, it's literally divisive. You divide the congregation, those that want to have a traditional service and those that want to have a contemporary service. While, I, while very few will challenge a pastor's style or message, very few, some of you are very bold and have no problem challenging pastor's style and message, but while very few do that, most people aren't hesitant to, to give plenty of requests towards the worship minister. Plenty of requests. Uh, like, I want more hymns, I want less hymns, I want it louder, I want it softer, I want more music, I want less music, I want it older, I want it newer. We have no problem giving plenty of requests uh, that are always diametrically opposed to each other uh, when it comes to worship. Uh, it's, it's, they're everywhere. And why are we this divisive about it? Why is it such a big issue for us to talk about? Why is it uh, that I've had two close friends come here, and the reason they don't continue church here is because the worship experience wasn't what they were looking for. And that's what we hear countless times. And why is that? Because worship is important to Christians. In a recent survey, a Barna Group survey, they asked them about everything we do in church, what's important to you? And 92% of church adults said worshiping God was important to them, while only 63% said learning more about their faith was important to them. 92% wanted to, to worship, and only 63 wanted to hear a sermon. Uh, there are plenty more jokes coming Pastor's way. Uh, I love Pastor. He's a close friend of mine, but I'm going to pick on him because he's on vacation. So that's what's, uh, that's what's coming. Now, as with any controversy or any kind of confusion, where do we go to solve that controversy? Where do we go to clear up that confusion? We go to God's Word. And so that's what we're going to be doing today. We're going to be looking uh, again at Psalm 96. So if you go ahead and turn there, make sure you're there. We're going to go ahead and read it. Uh, these are two of... Uh, 
two of my favorite psalms, uh, so we're going to read them both, kind of back to back. So just get ready. Verse 1, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord and praise his name. Proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all peoples. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and glory are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, all you families of nations. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him, all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. He will judge the peoples with equality. Let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let the sea resound and all that is in it. Let the fields be jubilant and everything in them. Let all the trees of the forest sing for joy. Let all creation rejoice before the Lord, for he comes. He comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the people in his faithfulness. It's wonderful, beautiful. Now over to Psalm 150. This is actually the first, uh, first uh, the content that I had to use for my first spiritual debate. My first spiritual debate as a Christian wasn't with a non-Christian. It was with another Christian who told me that because my church had guitars, everyone was going to hell. Uh, and so I said, okay, I don't think that's right. That doesn't sound right. Uh, so I went and asked my youth pastor, and he said, go to Psalm 150. And so I did, and in here it talks about playing the strings. And so I told him, here, Psalm 150. And his response was, yeah, but that's Old Testament. What you need to look at is the book of Amos. Also, Old Testament. I don't know. Whatever. All right. (laughs) Sorry. All right. Psalm 150. Another great psalm. Here we go. Praise the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty heavens. Praise Him for His acts of power. Praise Him for His surpassing greatness. Praise Him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise Him with the harp and lyre. Praise Him with timbrel and dancing. Praise Him with the strings and pipe. Praise Him with the clash of cymbals. Praise Him with the resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. What are we supposed to do? Amen. All right. That worked a lot better than I thought it was going to work. That was great. These two are, are, are passages to ignite us, to, to set us on fire, to help us understand that worship is important and worship is beautiful. According to these passages, what is worship? Obviously, a big part of worship is music. Not all of it. Our lives as, as a total are supposed to be worship. But here, it's very clear there's a whole lot of music going on here. He lists all these different instruments. He t- says sing like ten times. So, I mean, there's, there's, it's, it's important that music is a big part of it. And it, it makes sense because when we get to heaven, it's a whole bunch of singing. If you don't like singing, heaven is not the place for you because it's a whole bunch of singing. Preachers are out of a job. No, there's no preachers. Can I get an amen? amen. All right, there we go. Whew. All right, Brad, am I, am I free lunch yet? No, one more. All right, if you look at the left behind books, uh, was it the music minister or the pastor who was confused and was left behind? It was the pastor. That's right, okay. Uh, hopefully that's enough. I have to say these because pastor's not here. Well, who am I lying? If pastor was here, I would say him even louder, so it really doesn't matter. Uh, but anyways, but I can say this because pastor believes this too. He understands the importance of music. He just doesn't like to admit it in public. Um, all right, so back to, back to what we were looking at. So what we see in these passages is vibrant, Active worship. Vibrant active worship. Nothing in here seems inactive. Nothing in here seems like it's not going to get somebody out of breath. I mean, it is full-on worship. Full-on, pedal-to-the-metal worship. The text says, Worship him with the harp, the trumpet, strings, drums, cymbals, twice. It says cymbals, twice. 
I tried to get Dawson to play the cymbals at that point, but he's scared of playing drums in front of people, I guess, because he said no, he didn't want to do that. Um, but, but it says drums and dancing. Now, all you old school Baptists, I know you're freaking out because it said dancing in the Bible. Let me tell you, in a Baptist church, you can dance. You just have to follow three simple rules. Three simple rules to dance in a Baptist church. First one, one foot has to remain on the floor at all times. No jumping. Number two, your hands have to stay below your waist. So if you leave them there, you're good. And no moving of the hips. The moving of the hips is of the devil. So no moving of the hips. So you can do a little river dance in a Baptist church. But that's about it. That's about it. Thank you. Sorry, back on topic. So, so we see this picture of worship, and it's this beautiful, vibrant, active picture of worship. It shows us a celebration, an act of celebration. And when I read these, I'm reminded of David. Specifically, David, when the Ark of the Covenant was being brought into Jerusalem. The, the Ark of the Covenant is where God's presence resided, and it was a holy thing, and it was an important thing. Uh, it guaranteed the victory of, of their battles over and over again. And so it's brought into Jerusalem. And so David goes, and he is going to worship as this is coming in, because this is a big deal. This is a huge celebration. So he dances, but he has to put on a priest's tunic because what he would typically wear was too restrictive because David dances with all his might, with all his strength. It says that, that it, he danced with all his might. He gave his all. He understood the importance. And it wasn't that he, he slowly clapped as it went by. I mean, he was dancing with everything he had, so much so that his wife was ashamed of what he was doing. Thought he was, he was disgracing himself. There's a great David Crowder song about that. You can look it up. So seeing that picture of, of God and knowing that God is the same then as he is today, do our worship services look like that? No. Let's just be honest. No, they don't. They don't. God is the same then as he is today. He's done even more and greater things than when David was alive, and yet our worship services don't reflect that. They don't. You know whose do reflect that? The Hare Krishnas, right up the road. When I look at them, they worship with all their might. They look like crazy people, they're dancing so hard. And they worship a falsity. We worship the living, all-powerful God who does miracles, is alive today, and has restored us to a relationship with Him. They serve a falsity, a deception of Satan, a man who died. So why is it that our services look like funerals? Why is that? Our God is alive. It should, we, should, we, we should look like our God is alive. We should look like our God is alive. But we don't. I grew up not far from here in Gainesville, uh, and uh, this is before I, my mom and stepdad got married, and so it was just myself, my brother Logan, my sister Stephanie, and she. And uh, one day we were in the house, and my brother came uh, came running in, and <laughs> came running in, and he said, "Okay, the wind blew it over." That was all he said. We had no idea what that meant. The wind blew it over. He looked really panicked. So we go out in the front. And on our front porch, it was, it was an elevated front porch. There's three steps up, small porch, and there's this white banister that went all the way around the front porch. Sorry? Okay. So it was a white banister that went all the way, all the way around. Um, and uh, except for on one section at this day, uh, the, the whole section of railing had been ripped from the side of the house and laid in pieces in the flower garden. There wasn't a single piece of mulch that had moved from this, this enormous wind, but this, great, this thing had just been destroyed. Nails everywhere. It wasn't, a, it wasn't even a summer breeze. And I had never seen a breeze do that. Uh, and my mom uh, didn't buy it at all. She looked at him, and he crumbled. I mean, he had picked the worst possible excuse to cover his guilt, that the wind blew over the structure, uh, and she could see right through him because he didn't believe it. He didn't believe that it happened because it didn't happen. So what's the point there? The point is, 
The point is that sometimes I don't think we believe that Christ is alive. Because if we believed he was alive, if we believed okay, that God became man and came to earth, but not only that, that he lived a poor, meager existence, but not only that, did several miracles over three years of his life, uh, but not only that, died a horrific death for us because he loved us, but not only that, in his death, reconciled us to God, but not only that, was raised from the dead to prove that he was God, we should be a little more excited in here. If we really believed it, we should be, thank you, we should be seeing this. This should be how we're responding. This should be how we're responding. If we, if we honestly believed it, that we have seen the glory, we are different. We have the answer. Everyone else doesn't. We should look like we've got it together. And so if we have seen the glory, and his name is Jesus Christ. That's how we should be responding. That's how we should be responding in worship. One of Charlie's uh, favorite children's songs, she loves songs. My girl loves songs. Uh, one of her favorites is If You're Happy and You Know It. Uh, and so to adapt it to this morning, because I think children's songs are, are, are a great way to teach us. There's a reason we sing songs to kids, because they remember things. To adapt it to this, this morning, if Jesus is alive and you know it, then your face will surely show it. If he's alive and you know it, you should clap your hands. All right. Stomp your feet. Shout hooray. Smile. See, there was, Brad, was that what we had 10 minutes ago, 20 minutes ago? No, but see, that's, that's how we should respond. If we know it, we should look like it. I mean, I'm looking at the words that we're singing this morning. The first one, our God is risen. Our God is alive. We should be excited. It's just, it's just amazing, but that's not how we respond. But worship is about being vibrant and active and understanding that God is alive and doing great things in our lives. He's done great things in the Bible, but we can even look at our lives specifically and say that God's done great things. If we're here this morning... That's, that's probably ten. Let's be honest. We're here this morning. Ten great things have happened this morning. But all of us in here have been delivered from something. From an addiction, from a bad circumstance, from a mistake that we made. Something that we did, God has delivered us from it. And God's done great and amazing things. And that's what he's saying here. We look at the, at these, at the scriptures here again. So we take a look at Psalm 96. It says, Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all the peoples. He's done marvelous deeds in our lives, and we need to declare them. So we understand that worship is vibrant and active. And that's what we get from this passage. But there's something we can see in what's absent from these passages. We can see what worship isn't by looking at what's not in these passages. The first thing we see is that worship isn't about our preferences. Whether you're a hymn person or a praise chorus person, a fast song person, a slow song person, a piano and organ or a drums and guitar, it really doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. Those are your preferences, and you're allowed to have preferences, but God's the same in all those songs. God doesn't change when we sing a different style of song. And if you can't worship, unless it's a specific style of song, you're not worshiping God. Let me just let you know right now. If you can't worship unless it's a specific style, whatever that may be, you're not worshiping God, because God's the same. God's the same. Usually uh, when we go to camp, not usually, always when we go to camp, they bring in these high-caliber bands. The reason I pick the camps we go to, uh, they're a little more expensive than others, but it's really worth it. I mean, these bands are the ones you hear on Christian radio. Uh, these guys are great, gifted musicians. God's hand is on them, and the things that they sing and the things they do, it's just great. And in addition to them being as talented as they are, they have a whole crew there whose job is to make sure that everything else works great. We've got a great tech crew, uh, but these guys do this for a living. I mean, they, they do it for a living. And so they've got lights, but it's not like spotlights. It's like moving lights and, and color-changing lights. And they've got, you know, Jesus fog that they're putting out there. So it's, 
you're really like, oh my goodness, this is great. And then, you know, when their base is hitting, you know, when they're like hitting the base, it's like I feel like somebody's punching me in the chest over and over again. And it's great. I love it. It's like the cheeseburger and french fries of worship. Like you have no problem. Like, yes, Jesus, hands up in the air. I mean, it's, it's great. And, and, and a lot of people, I mean, not a lot of people, but I've had people tell me that camp worship is fake. It's fake. And it's not fake. The difference is, is that there's no distractions at camp. There's not no distractions, but there's very few. So your focus is on Christ. And you're in this room with a thousand people that are all just as excited as you are to see what God's going to do. And so they get, you get excited. And so I was talking with our students, because how you worship at camp is different than you worship here. And so I'm talking with them about that, and I'm saying, how do we take how we worship at camp, and how do we bring it back here? Because it really it shouldn't be different. If God's the same at camp that he is here, our worship shouldn't be any different. And so I asked them, and immediately all their bones turned to jello, and they're like, oh, you can't do that, you can't do that, because it's so different. But again, if we realize that if we're worshiping God, he's the same no matter what we sing, how we worship should be completely different than how we're doing it now. I'll be honest, there are certain songs that we sing here that I don't like, that I just don't like. That's my preference, and that's okay. But I, it's like the broccoli of worship. You know, you have the cheeseburger and french fries, it's like the broccoli. And I know it's good for me. I know it's good for me. I just got to work through it a little bit, okay? And I got to chew it a little more. And <laughs> But it's good. It's good. Yeah, put cheese on it. That, that fixes anything. Oh, it fixes anything. But what I'm saying is this. It, the next time you hear a song that you don't like, just think of it as broccoli, you know? You just got to eat it. You just got to eat it. Because... God's the same, and God deserves our worship no matter what the style. God deserves, if, it's, if the song is true, now if the song is saying things about God that aren't true, don't sing it, obviously. But, but that's not what Brad brings. Brad brings great, theologically sound songs that, that share the glory of God and share the, the works of Christ and the love of Christ. And so, when you hear a song you don't like, senior adult to kids and in between, don't shut yourself down because it's not your style, because it's arrogance. It's arrogance. You're saying that God is not worthy in this style of music, uh, and, it's, and it's not true. It's not true. So that's the first thing, that worship isn't. The second is that worship isn't about our personality either. It's not about our preferences. Preferences have to do with the music that's coming at you. Personality is how you respond to what's coming at you. That's, that's, that's what I'm trying to get at here. While our, it's, it's, it's how we respond when, when we hear a song that we don't like or if we are encouraged to do something we don't like to do, like to lift our hands and spin around. And like 90% of you are like, Nope, uh, not my personality. Well, I want you to think back to when we were singing before. I just, just take a minute, think back, and I want you to think of how you looked while we were worshiping. Just be honest with yourself. I'm not going to get you to stand up and switch sides so I can you know, cast judgment on you, but I want you to think, did you look like someone in awe of God's greatness, someone thankful for his grace, someone set free from the chains and guilt of sin, or like someone who was at a hostile protest? I'm just being serious. It, sometimes it looks like you don't want to be here. And if that's the case, I think it's okay. You don't have to be here. But, but which one is it? And, and some of you guys say, that's just my personality. And I understand that. That on the outside, I may look like I don't want to be here. But on the inside, I'm saying, I love Jesus, I love Jesus, I love Jesus, I love Jesus. I get that. I have to ask the kids that you sometimes. You look miserable. Do you not like being here? Oh, no, I really like it. I really like it. It's, I have to ask them that. Uh, Glenn, was, uh, Glenn Bryan was volunteering youth forever ago. And uh, I would say things, and he would have this face like, that's wrong. And I'd be like, Jesus loves you. And he'd be like, and I'd be like, what? And he's like, no, that's my thinking face. Like, oh, okay, we're good. That's just, that's just, that's just who Glenn is. He was just, he was just thinking. 
And, and I understand that, that your personalities may be different in certain things. You know, I may look at you and go, he looks miserable. And you may be thinking, this is the greatest thing I've ever experienced, which is great. God created personalities. Who am I to say that what you're doing is wrong? But let me say that there are some of us here that use our personalities as an excuse to put up a shield or a wall to prevent God from doing great things. We say it's not in my personality to sing. It's not in my personality to clap. I don't have rhythm to clap. I hear those people too. Um, it's not in my personality to lift my hands. It's not in my personality to dance. It's not in my personality to do that. And that may be true, but I think God is bigger than your personality. I think God is bigger. I think sometimes we use it as a crutch and say, I don't want to move out of my comfort zone because if I do, God might do something huge. And it's true. He does. He does. Here's the point I'm trying to make. If something's worth doing, you're going to do it, no matter what the cost or consequences. If something's worth doing, or worth having, or worth experiencing, you're going to do it, despite the consequences. My stepdad's here, uh, and I love him. He's a great guy, and, uh, but we butt heads a couple months ago about getting a new TV. Uh, and he wanted a Samsung TV. And that was worth to him. And so no matter what I said, he wasn't changing his mind. But that was what was of worth. There was, there was nothing else out there. That's how we should be with worship. There was nothing else out there. He was, he was more Christian in his debate on TVs than I was. Um, there, <laughs> he saw the light. He saw the light. That's what happened. Uh, growing up, I didn't like to eat salads. I know you can't tell that um, I'm not the most balanced of eaters with my bacon, cheeseburger, and french fries analogy I just gave, but, but I didn't like eating salads. It was rabbit food. Why would I waste my time on rabbit food? Uh, if I, and, and when they would ask you, on your hamburger, do you want lettuce and tomato? No, if I wanted a salad, I would have ordered one. Uh, but, <laughs> but now I can eat salads. I eat salads all the time, and I enjoy them. And, and, and so what was the difference? The difference was the melting pot. Karen and I went and spent far more money on a meal than anyone should ever spend on a meal. And with that meal came a salad. And I was going to eat that salad, and I was going to enjoy it. See, the worth of salad changed because I'd already spent money on this salad, and no matter what anyone said, I was going to enjoy that salad. It's the same thing with our personality in worship. When you feel that God is worthy of singing to, you'll sing to Him, and nothing's going to change that. When you feel that God is worthy of you clapping your hands to praise Him, nothing's going to change that. Nothing's going to stop you. When you feel God is worthy, that you're going to lift your hands in either surrender or victory, because either one's appropriate, nothing's going to change that. When you feel that God is worthy of your worship, you're going to worship Him. And when you don't, it's arrogance at best. It's what it is. You're saying, you are not worthy of me singing for any number of reasons. You are not worthy. David did not care what anyone thought when he danced before the Lord. Who he cared about was what the Lord thought of him. What he cared about was sharing with everyone that God was worthy of him making a fool of himself because he loved God and God loved him. Our worship is predicated on his insurmountable greatness, not our personality, not our history, not our preferences. Our worship is based on who he is, and that should change how we do things completely. We should look completely different. So where does that leave us? It leaves us with a choice. We're going to worship God with all our might like David did, or we're going to let ourselves get in the way. Those are the two options. We can worship God with all our strength, and maybe that's a little bit right now. Maybe spiritually you're a little, you know, not as, as strong as you'd like to be, and it's just going to be a little bit, but it's all you got. We're either going to worship God with all our might, or we're going to let ourselves get in the way. That's the choice, and that's a choice that you get to make today. 
The praise team is going to come on up uh, and, and lead us in worship. Uh, we, we've changed the order of service. We tricked you. You thought you were getting out early. Everyone's like, yes, sonnies! Uh, but we've got more worship coming. We've got more worship coming because this is the time where you get to make that decision. Are you going to praise God with all your strength or are you going to let yourselves get in the way? And as they're coming up, I want to share one more thought with you. And this is something that's, that's, that's rocked my world the last, last year and a half, two years when I heard a, a band singing about this. Your voice... Your vocal pattern is as unique as your DNA. High-end security companies use your voice to determine who you are. It's unique. I mean, that software can determine uh, the difference between two very similar voices. And who gave us our voice? But God. God created us with each, uh, everyone in here, a unique voice. And I think that's because there's no one that can praise God for me, and there's no one that can praise God for you. You have to praise God for you, and I have to praise God for myself. He can tell our voice. He can hear when you're singing and when you're not singing. And if you say, I don't like to sing, well, then you just, I mean, that's the purpose of this. I mean, it said sing over and over again. But God can hear your voice. God knows your thoughts. He sees your heart, and he hears your voice. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to sing. But sing for him today. He hears your voice. He wants to hear your voice. So let's sing for today. Let me go ahead and pray, and then we'll spend some time worshiping. Father, I thank you for today, and... I thank you for your greatness. I thank you, uh, I thank you that you are bigger than I am, that you're wiser than I am, that you've done marvelous and wonderful things in our lives and in the lives of those in the Bible and the lives of those that are coming. Um, and I just thank you for that, Lord. And sometimes I let myself get in the way and I, I don't worship you like I should. I get distracted by things going on in my life or uh, I get an attitude and feel that, that, you know, that I, I shouldn't have to sing this way or this song and... And Lord, I just ask that for myself and for everyone here, Lord, that you would, you would not let our hearts harden against you, that you would soften our hearts and, and help us to, to worship you with all our strength and all our might like David did. Help our worship to be different as you are different, as the only living God. Help our worship to reflect that we are the ones that have the answer, that you are the answer, that Christ is the answer, and we are just in, in complete awe of who you are. I thank you for that. As he sings in your name, amen.